without record. Hey everybody, Economic Ninja here. I hope you're doing well. I am with my buddy, Chris Taylor from Financial Fitness. Chris, how you doing? Hey everybody, this is Chris Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time, Chris, you've ever done like a legit podcast. Yeah, huh? a legit podcast. I don't even know if we could call it podcast because somebody told me one day, they're like, hey, we're going to have you on a podcast. And I thought that was audio only. I'm not even joking. True story, guys. We're going to get to what we saw, the devastation in the car market right now in Texas as we're here for a awesome subscriber meetup. But um, I, I'm doing this podcast and it, uh, I want to say it was with Morgan, David Morgan. And yeah, it was. And, and I'm thinking audio only. So I'm pretty much like doing everything, like picking my nose and <laughs> scratching my hair. And oh, my, you know, I was like, I was not even in that mode. He didn't tell you? He didn't tell me crap. <laughs> he didn't laugh. He, I, I just, he's super kind and super cordial. And, you know, he wouldn't. He probably just thought you didn't care. Yeah, he just that's exactly what he thought. So I saw it show up on YouTube, and I'm like, whoa, dude, David. And he goes, well, I thought you knew. And I'm like, podcast, I thought it was just audio, but I guess it's not. Yeah, I've never seen a – I guess I have, but they were – I think it was like a picture you looked at. Man. Video. Anyway. Well, guys, I don't I don't mean to stretch this out too long. It's just a funny <clears throat> little story. But we're um, we just arrived in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, Chris, you picked me up from the airport. Yeah. What did you tell me you were seeing on the way here on the freeway? I was trying to, anytime I go anywhere, I just kind of log and look and just really kind of see how things are going around me. And uh, the one thing I noticed over and over and over was campers. These, these camper outlets, distributors, the people that sell campers have got so much supply on their yard. Yeah. It's like you could not fit another one in there with a shoehorn. The, uh, I think they have a glut. And it wasn't one or two. It was like maybe six or eight. Yeah. You know, we saw a production ramp up about a year, a year and a half ago when all of a sudden everything was shut down and people got some stimulus checks. It coupled with, if you look at the time, if you think about the time frame when those stimulus checks came out, it also came out uh, coincidentally when, you know, income tax returns are coming out. People were flush with cash. We saw the national savings rate explode and they just drained all of the RV places. And people started leaving. And ironically, I was telling Chris, I was on the flight with a uh, gentleman from, I want to say it was like Good Morning America. He was out here to cover some horrible events in San Antonio. Which I don't, yeah, it's hard to even talk about. But uh, uh, he he said, you know, he, he almost lost his house in 08. And now he's completely underwater on his RV. And he said he doesn't know what he's going to do. Because he says the fuel costs so much. And this is guy... Tell has a pretty powerful job. You could, uh, you could just tell. And seeing where he was with all the guys and equipment coming off that plane, um, he he says, I have to stay at least a minimum of five days somewhere to make it worthwhile for the cost of the gas. You know, I'm sure he's he's pricing out in a hotel, which, by the way, guys, we're sitting in a beautiful hotel, Embassy Suites in uh, San Antonio. It's gorgeous. Right on the Riverwalk. Can't wait to get there. We're waiting for another YouTube buddy, it Jack. Is it is so hot outside. It's <laughs> super hot outside. So we're like enjoying having our favorite beverage, which we can have on our podcast, yeah, right? Exactly. It's like the iced coffee hour. And um, and so when Chris was telling me this about these RVs being completely jam-packed in the uh in the lots, it's funny. We're he's driving me to the hotel from the airport, and all of a sudden he's like, look, and we're we're uh, car lots full because he said you were seeing car lots. Car, too, yeah, right? so I went by CarMax. CarMax. After, after I saw the the RV spots were just slap full, I looked at started looking at cars and I noticed even the used car places were slap full. Yep. The new car places weren't as much as you know 
it seems like they're still struggling to get new cars. But I noticed it wasn't as bad. And then in the old car, the used car places were slap full. And, and I thought it might have been an anomaly until I came and picked you up. Yeah. So when you picked us, me up, you're telling me this, and we're literally driving. We must have driven by 20 car lots. Used car lots, right? I think we had one brand new car lot. Once it was a Ford dealership, every single one was packed to the gills. And he's like, look. And I'd see one, two lots, three lots. And I'm like, well, that's weird. I'm like, maybe an anomaly. I'm not kidding, guys. By the 20th, I'm grabbing my camera and going, Chris, let's mic up and let's do a drive through town. But we wanted to obviously, you know, beat feet to the, the hotel to get everything set up and get things ready for this weekend. And uh, so that was like the last. As I got hit record, I literally started the video. I'm not even going to post it. We drove by the last one, but it was packed. So you guys don't have to take my word for it. But it's really a sign of the times, isn't it, Chris? I mean, people aren't, yeah. they can't afford this stuff. It makes me think of car auctions. Mm. I wonder how they're going down right now. Oh, meet them. I can't the, wait. See, we used to go to them, the big ones, and I was too young to even be driving. And I would get in Corvettes, and they would let oh. me drive, test drive the new car, the used cars at the auctions. Yeah. And when timing's right, you can really pick them up cheap. So funny story about that. So you guys know that I wanted a Ferrari when I was younger and I saved up to buy a real, the, and I say real because I'm going to explain the story, 355 uh, Spider, a 1996 F355 Spider, the convertible model uh, Ferrari. And I was going to buy it in 2004, I believe it was, 2005. So I saved up. It was $48,000 cash with about, I don't know, 20,000 miles max. I could get them all day long for that price, between 45 and 48. And so I saved up the money. I went and bought a house, flipped it. Took me eight weeks to do the entire thing, probably 10 weeks from escrow to escrow close. And um, I got the money in my hands and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't pull the trigger. And I ended up buying a, a pretty much brand new F-350 diesel truck, 7.3, you know, Lariat. It was, it was like a year old. Um, for my real estate business because I was hauling so many heavy things. But then I also bought the, I bought a replica that was built for a movie. And it was funny because I'd drive that thing around and I'd go inside the store, come out and there'd be a crowd of people taking photos with it. They couldn't tell it apart. And I just couldn't pull myself to buy the real thing. But the funny story is, is that in uh, that car by 2006 was about $65,000, $70,000. Well, when the crash happened in 2009, 2010, I could buy that same car for 30 grand. That's what blew me away. Well, now, how much do you think that car is, Chris? I don't even know. 80? No, it's between 100 and 120 right now with the same amount of miles. Same year, same amount of miles. So just, you know, apples for apples. Now, would I pay that much? No. As a matter of fact, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to buy that Ferrari today for 40 grand because of the maintenance schedule on it, right? right. Um, that's why I'm going <laughs> to go buy that new Corvette, that C8. But I'm waiting for that to pull down, too. Now, what do you think? Uh, because we talk about this all the time. Like, well, you talk about the Thunderdome on your yeah, channel, right? Yeah, right. And it's always like a doom and gloom thing. But it's actually really not, right? Because no. if you expect the doom and gloom, the doom and gloom is the guy I was flying next to you know, that I was working for That's the TV show. not at all. That knows nothing. Yeah, and he bought, a, he bought an RV at the top, and now it's literally underwater. And he's going, what the hell do I do? I, I literally can't even use it right now. It says parked next to his house. Well, I mean, the Thunderdome, that's just an analogy. You know, everybody likes, I assume everybody likes the Mel Gibson movie, uh, Mad Max, you know. But if you watch those movies, it kind of, it's kind of strange, you know. It's a, it's a you know, absurd. <laughs> not really. not going to be that bad. 
But well, I mean, you think about Turkey and Venezuela and those places; it does get that well, bad. I agree. I don't think it's going to be as bad as a lot of people do. Not the first time. I think we're going to come out of this one. The next time, it it very well might. Could be. See, I think this is the big one. Really? That's really what I think. Yeah, just because it's a culmination of events. I don't think the money printer is going to pull us out. Uh, it will run us right into hyperinflation. So yeah, I do believe they're going to pull the money printer out, and it's a, an event that's on purpose to get us into a digital currency. Oh. And that digital currency will act exactly like what happened with all of the uh, currencies in Europe, right when they switched over to the euro. All of them were hyperinflated. They switched to the euro, and like Germany really got screwed, where like a loaf of bread was let's say five bucks the day before, still five euros the next, you know, five Deutschmarks, but it was you know five. No, euros the next day, but the problem was that conversion rate. Everybody got converted at a different rate to the euro, and my brother-in-law lost horribly. He didn't even really realize it until we were talking about it later, and, and, I, and I used bread as an analogy and the conversion rate of how many Deutschmarks converted to how many euros. So I, I don't remember what it was, but it was like five Deutschmarks got four euros. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, or vice versa. It was, it was bad. I really like talking about this and mulling on it because... After you start educating yourself, it's really, uh, you can see it better. You can really get everybody's point of view and kind of make your own mind up. And you were talking about cars earlier. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that hedge their wealth with gold and silver and collectible things like cars. Okay. So let me me finish. Oh, yeah. But I I remember like people are getting beat up in gold and silver, but they don't realize this happened exactly in 2008. Okay. So... So the same, well, wait a minute. I got to, this is going to be a little different. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a gold and silver bug and um, anything to hedge against the dollar, whether it be crypto, whatever you think. Yeah. Anything we can do is what we need to do. But there's a lot of people that are buying, uh, you know, rare cars to hold value. A lot of the wealthy people yeah. are buying that kind of stuff. Even some people that aren't that wealthy. Do you think there's a time coming that there's going to be people that sell their gold? Because they don't have enough food. They sell their silver because they don't have enough food for a cheap price. No, I really don't. No? Yeah, because the reason why is because less than one-tenth of 1% of the, of the nation, I believe, right now has any gold or silver in physical form. All right? So you're dealing with a totally different breed of person. Now, I talk about this on my channel all the time. I say, we have 3% of the world are elites. And the 1% of the ones everyone talks about, the guys you know, in their yachts and doing that, the other 2% are normal people that think like elites, but they never believe they could be them. And that personality right now is being pulled out in, uh, it being forced to be pulled out by people that are preparing um, right now. So they have food, they have things like that. Um, I do not believe you're going to see that same thing. You know, the last time people were selling gold for food that I know of, you know, in my studies with mean, a Weimar, okay. Weimar. I mean, any kind of. Any okay, kind of so that's page. a great example. So the people that are buying cars, I don't think they necessarily own gold, physical gold. I do not believe paintings. It. Yeah, art and things like that. That's what I'm looking up right now. I'm getting so my phone off. If you go back to Venezuela, uh, gold eggs rivaled gold. Fifteen thousand eggs on eggs, and yes. gold at twenty five thousand eggs. Yep. So if and, you're, I'm just saying, if yep. you're a prepper and you're ready and you've got all the gold and silver piled up and you don't have enough food, you might have to trade some of your gold and silver cheaply for food. So let me explain that too. A lot of, so you're 100% right. Why people don't realize it. They go, how could gold underperform, be outperformed by eggs? And this is why everyone needs eggs, not everyone needs gold. 
And I want people to realize that, how important that is. Because when it comes to selling anything in life, it's only worth what someone else is going to buy it. And when you bring true value to something, something has real value, it's because multiple people want to buy it, right? Well, in a hyperinflation, not everybody's vying for your gold. The reason why we see gold spike and drop on uh, the, the spot prices because we have lots of people either buying or selling. Whoever uh, wins that battle, it's because there's more of them, right? More dollars either chasing it up or more dollars dumping it essentially, right? So uh, during a crisis, you're right, you'll see eggs do that kind of stuff. And I do believe we're gonna see that now, but here's the flip side. A lot of people go, well then that means I'm gonna buy a, a ton of eggs or uh, chickens and then you know, they're essentially crapping out money, right? Um, you could do that, but that gets very dangerous, I believe. So my, gr my grandfather uh, and great-grandfather were very, very wealthy people. And just so you guys know, for full disclosure, I never got a dime of it, actually. Uh, it was actually stolen. That's a whole other story. I should probably do videos about that. Um, but, uh, but he said that during the Great Depression, if you were caught with a certain amount of uh, silver or gold, you'd be killed for it. Like, you couldn't just walk around like that. Well, when people are starving, and I think that we need to be bene benevolent, we're going to be blessed by helping people. But when you try and trade your food, think about this, guys, for people's valuables, if they know where you live, I would be very scared to do that. I, that's not something I would be into. So there are people out there, there are preppers in the prepper community that are like, hey, I'm going to go you know, and, and trade eggs for your Ferrari. I don't think it's going to go over well. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, sure. But so I've come up with the uh, egg-laying hen for one ounce of silver. I yep. think that's going to hold true for a while, but it'll get out of whack just like the silver to gold ratio, the chicken to egg ratio will get out. I mean, the chicken to silver ratio will get out of whack. Yeah. And when, so if they've got, if they still have the power to push the price of silver down when all this happens and they can keep it suppressed and food prices are going to the moon and you're collecting silver, you might have to, you might have to come off some, some silver for, for a cheaper price to buy food. I'm just saying. That's true. That's the point. food should be on everybody's that should be number one right now right. absolutely number one this is very serious what's about to happen i know it's here it's 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 starting to be more obvious yeah so i'm looking at the nei moses world uh all art index and since 1961 it's done very well compared to the s p 500 total return right and the financial times all shares it pretty much smokes that but what i want to share with you guys is the drops it's the blue line right here is the big drops. So when the S&P had its big drop in 2008, right? Where it fell, let's say from, we're just using like basis points from like 90 to, uh, I don't know, mid fifties. We saw that art index drop from about 63 to 50. On a percentage return, it did almost the exact same thing. Very similar drop in the S&P. And the reason why is because I want to remind people that the it's the velocity. The velocity of art dropped during the Great Recession. So yes, there were paintings still selling. Were they selling at a deal? Were they selling at less than 2006? Absolutely. That's when we pick up deals, right? Did they outpace the S&P? Yes, they did, but not by much. And I want to remind you, just because you have a, um, let's say a Warhol, uh, that might not do as well compared to the Picasso. You have to look at the rarity, the, the desire to get, you know, and, and so it means not all art is going to do well because the velocity goes down. Here, I'll give you an example on the flip side. Right now, we are seeing homes selling like gangbusters, but they're actually not. The prices are high and the days on market are low and the, um, the 
you know, the speed are, at which people are just coming over the top on other buyers is high. Why? Because there's no inventory. All right. So what happens during a downturn? Inventory expands. It's the same thing with art. You would have art expand for asking, but if it wasn't even, it was going to auction and it was not hitting its bid price, it didn't get recorded. So a lot of people like have this false sense of, oh, art does really well in these down periods. Like, no, if you could sell it, yeah. But if it doesn't hit your bid, what does a rich person do? Well, I ain't going to sell it for anything less than that. So they hold on to it. So again, when we talk about hedge, I think Chris has got a great point. It really comes down to what people need. Uh, but with food is an interesting thing because you're dealing with people's lives, right? And so if you wanted to make food and sell it to your local grocer, that is epic. You will crush it. It's, it's funny you said what you just said. I, I interviewed Artifog at Starpath Academy. He had lived through the hyperinflation in Romania. Mm. And I was able to ask him, how did it work out? You know, did silver do good? How did it do? Yeah. He said, food was so expensive, you really didn't want to trade your silver for it. And it kind of struck me. I was like, okay, it didn't make, you know what I'm saying? Yep. But if you're bad hungry, you're going to do whatever you got to do to get food to put in. And the main thing is putting food in your kid's mouth. That's when... That's probably going to be what separates neighbors. What That's going to be the, the hard thing because a man's not going to let his kid starve. And that's why you go ahead and grab yeah. that. We're about to wrap this up, guys. we got our, our good buddy. Might have to have him jump in on this. Um, Jack's here. Jack, you can... Come on, Man, I'm, I'm leaving my stuff on. we got to ruin our podcast right now. We're about to wrap it up. We're talking about... Um, we started with the cars. Uh all the cars in the... Did you see the cars coming into town? All the dealerships full? They're all loaded up? Oh, they're loaded up. So the inventory is finally coming in. It's gnarly. And so Chris started moving into art and like what art did. And I was bringing up an art index and actually it crashed in 2008, 2010. What was your thoughts, Chris, on that? On art? Yeah, because at first you were talking about how you know rich people hedge their, their portfolios in art. Well, said, there's three ways to do it. Art... Uh, Gold and silver. What was the other one? Land. You know. Yeah. Uh, but there's. I was saying there's going to be a time where it's more important to have food, and you're going to be able to possibly trade food for those items that are that are supposed to be in high demand, or possibly uh, whatever the currency is that's buy, trying to buy the food. Yeah. And art is just the last thing to move in the everything bubble. Yes. Bonds went to bloated valuation. Stocks went to bloated real estate. Yeah. Everything. There was nowhere in the world left to put your money that wasn't overvalued, except gold, which never caught on for whatever reason. So art, they put their money into art. And you're right, when, when people are starving to death, nobody cares what's hanging on your walls. So art's yeah. going to be one of the first things that come well, down. See, I was thinking time. not in the long term, like short, shortly, because they're papering over this price. They're papering over the only asset that hasn't moved. Silver is the most valuable asset on the earth that we got to have to be green. So, oh, dude, when it goes, it's gonna go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. But, but there, oh. if you can hold that down, and while people are hungry, oh. if you can hold it down while people are hungry, they're going to do That's whatever they have to do. That's a good point. So because they can buy it up. Yeah. We're, it, you know, I got to be honest. We're winning the war because for the first time ever, we've never seen a Comex bar come off a thousand ounce bar and get put into the retail hands. We've never seen it. And uh, it was Rick Rule that told me, you know, he's, I was totally wrong. He goes, I thought that Wall Street Silver and all these kids were going to be destroyed by the COMEX change of rules. He goes, 
I thought they were like the Hunt Brothers, but the Hunt Brothers are three guys with leverage. This is a million kids with cash. So I guess he's calling us kids now. <laughs> but I'll let Rick say that yeah, about me. That. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for him. But yeah, we are winning this. But you're right. You know, that's what it all comes down to. And I, maybe we should close on that. Is that it's more important to be prepared with the food now. That's now paramount. And diversified. Just food. But don't get water. greedy with the silver and gold stuff or the cryptos because people are well, doing that. if you that. run you're out like, of food first, you're just going to have to sell it for cheap. Yeah, and you will be selling it on a downswing. I, that's the thing that people don't get because when markets sell off, so do paper. That's what I think is happening now. I think that's, what you're not, that's the next thing. It's exactly what happened in uh, six months leading Lehman Brothers. Stock market started trending down. Gold and silver paper contracts trended down, but they bottomed first. That's the most important thing. They bottomed first because why? QE fired up right as Lehman Brothers was collapsing, and people went, oh crap, and they ran to paper, gold and silver, it ran the price up, physical exploded. It's gonna go and the mining stocks, oh, like, but that's some risky stuff. Like I always tell people, like that's a small part of your portfolio. Yeah, but why not pull the biggest slot machine lever in the world? Oh, I've, I've, trust me, I've got lots of <laughs> slots like lined up, just ready to rock and roll. The, the key word there was lever that Chris just used. If yeah. you want leverage in the precious metal space, the miners is how you get there. Yeah. Right. You don't go out on margin and buy SLV. You don't play yeah. in the futures market where they can change the rules and margin call you and clean you out overnight. If you want leverage, the miners is how you get leverage. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's pretty exciting right now because there's some pretty sweet buys, especially with this late this downturn just recently. There's already sweet buys. I think they're going to get probably better. I don't, yeah, I still think we're going to have a little bit of an upswing. I think the Fed's yeah, going to capitulate. Yeah, I think so too, but I just can't help but think it's going to get bad, ugly. Nasty. Thunderdome. Yeah, like when people are starting to buy chickens for silver and stuff. Just really bad. And then that's when you can really sop it up. Well, look, I'm going to so close on can... this, guys. You know who's not going to be chicken? Ninja Nation. Because why? Why are they not going to be chicken, Chris? Because they're going to be ready. They're, they're prepared and not scared. Yeah! With that being said, guys, I thank you so much for watching The Economic Ninja. Chris Taylor from Financial Fitness. Jack from Nobody Special Finance are out.